yourself love does no harm to a neighbor therefore love is the fulfillment of the law so what's the main thing it's simple l o v e it's simple it's love whether it's with your work relationships or responsibilities you continually evaluate your priorities to decide what's most important Well, today, Pastor Daniel reveals that your life's greatest priority should be love. The book of Romans tells you that love is the main thing for life. You'll also learn that our culture's take on love is quite different from God's definition. God wants you to prioritize loving others with the love he's shown you. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Romans chapter 13 as he begins a new message called The Main Thing. So it's so important for each one of us to always know what's the main thing. I mean, if if you think about in every area of your life, there is the, if you get this one thing right, you get the bulk of it right. Like I remember for me, um, before I was uh, called into ministry and before I really fell in love with playing music as a career, my life really uh, revolved around baseball when I was uh, in middle school and high school. That was my thing. And I'll never forget it because I remember when I went to high school, it was a big thing to try and uh, make the high school baseball team. We had a really good team. And I remember as a freshman in high school, I I ended up being the starting catcher on our freshman team. And by the end of my freshman year, they bumped me up to junior varsity and I started playing some junior varsity games. And so sure enough, as I moved into my sophomore year, my second year of high school, there was two guys ahead of me in the kind of the depth chart for catchers. And they were both a year older than me. So I was a sophomore, they were juniors. And so I remember like I was hoping that I'd be able to play on the junior varsity start because there was these two guys ahead of me. And so sure enough, I ended up starting junior varsity for the first couple games. And I remember that uh, the guy who was a really, really good catcher, uh, he got the starting knob for the varsity team. Uh, and within two games, he kind of fell apart as a catcher and he got hurt. And so I was like, oh, okay, that's a problem. And then so the guy who was the second string catcher got in there in the third game and literally fell apart as a player in, in varsity. And so I remember I, the coach called me in. Now, at this point, the coach of the team was not exactly the nicest person person. Like they wouldn't let him be a coach today. Back in the day, he was like a normal coach, just screamed at you all the time. And, and so today that'd be illegal. But back in the day, that's who he was. And, and I remember he called me in his, in his office and he said, Hey, listen, um, I'm going to, bu- I'm bumping you up to varsity. You're going to start this week. And I was like, Oh, okay. And, and he's like, and I, there's just one thing that you have to do. You can't give up any free bases. And he's like, and the idea was, is that as a catcher, my job was just to make sure I kept the ball in front of me and I just didn't give anyone free bases because the, the two guys who had been before me for the four games had given lots of free bases. And so I'll never forget going into that first game. And at least at my school, when you went on the varsity team, all of a sudden they gave you like nice uniforms, like button down uniforms. Now I'm not like a button down kind of guy, but like I remember putting on that uniform with the buttons and everything. It wasn't like the old one had like half the logo was ripped off of it and, you 
You know, it's like, it's like it was a nice uniform. I remember putting that thing on and being really freaked out. You know what I mean? Like, how am I going to do? I'll never forget because the game starts and a guy gets a single and he's on first base and the coach just looks at me. He's like, don't mess up. That's what he says. That's all he says to me. Don't mess up. And so sure enough, guy takes off first pitch, stealing second. And you know what I did? I threw the ball in the right field. Just like, I, I was shooting for second base, but it kind of went a little right center. Guy got an extra base, and literally, the manager just kicked the, the water cooler over. It's like, that was his response to that. And I was like, Ugh. and And then, the, you, know, you know how it goes when that happens. Like, I just failed at the main job. That's what I did. First go around. And I just kind of hung my head, and I thought to myself, this is going to go bad. Right? And so sure enough, we made that the inning. That guy ended up scoring from second base. So I, that was on me. And, and, and I remember I got, I got to the dugout and the, the manager wouldn't even look at me. He was so angry. And then the pitching coach came over to me and he said, okay, you got that out of your system, right? And I'm like, uh, I hope so. <laughs> and he's like, you better have gotten it out of your system. Just you go play your game. And, and, and so sure enough, you know, uh, the next inning, Guy walks, first batter. I'm like, oh, here we go. And the first baseman, this guy named Vinny, who I'd, I'd known my whole life, and he came up, he called timeout, and he, he said, listen, this is varsity. You, you belong here. Don't worry about it. And so sure enough, the first pitch, the guy on first base was leaning too far. I picked him off of first base as a catcher. And, and I was like, oh, yeah, game on now. You know, I'm like, I'm like we're, we're fine. And, and it's funny, I ended up, you know, being the, the varsity catcher from then on out. But I bring it up because it's like, that was an important lesson. Like, as a catcher, your job is not to give anyone free bases, right? Now, if you look at every area of your life, there is, this is the most important thing, that if you get this thing right, like, like for those of you who are, are married, you know, as a husband or a wife, it's like, what's the main thing in your marriage? Uh, think about it. You know, like for a lot of us, we get these things wrong. Like we think it's about something other than what it's really about. You think about your job. What is the main thing that you're supposed to do at your job? See, oftentimes we get in trouble because we make the thing that is the main thing. We don't make it the main thing. We make other things the main thing, right? And so today I want to share a message with you that if you've been around church at all, this is not new information. And I always say that my job as a pastor is not to tell you new things. My job is to remind you of the things that you already know because the spirit of God is within you. That's my job. If I'm telling you something that you've never heard before ever, it means you're not either reading the word or I'm telling you a lie. The the big things are always there. I think it's Alistair Begg who always says that the main thing is the plain thing. And the plain thing is the main thing. And so today I want to give you like the main thing. And if you're new to Christianity or if you're just kind of exploring who Jesus is, you, you want to know these things. And if you've been walking with Jesus for a while or for some length of time, you're going to want to make sure that like, okay, this is the stuff that my life is about, the, the big idea. So in order to get at this, I want you to open up in your Bibles to the book of Romans, chapter 13, Romans 13. We're going to be taking verses 8 to 14 today. So Romans chapter 13. So if you brought a Bible with you today to church, open that baby up. We're going to be reading it and studying it, breaking it down as we always do. And if you have a mobile device, if you don't like paper, you don't want to open a Bible, just open up your phone or your mobile device and type in Romans chapter 13. 
13, verses 8 to 14. I want you to be able to read along with me. I'm not just making this stuff up. This is what God's word, the Bible teaches. And so if you're new to the Bible, the book of Romans is in what we call the New Testament, about the last third or quarter of your Bible. And, and it really begins with the four tellings of the life of Jesus, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and then the book of the Acts of the Apostles, which tells about that first generation of leaders after uh, the death and resurrection of Jesus, and then Paul's letters, which Romans is the very first one. So it begins this way. It says, Romans chapter uh, 13, verse 8, Owe no one anything except to love one another, for he who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not covet, and if there is any other commandment, are all summed up in this saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. So, what's the main thing? It's simple. L-O-V-E. It's simple. It's love. L-O-V-E. Now, that, that idea, spelling it out. That's a quote from my father-in-law, Paul Dachauer, Lynn's dad. I, always, I love my father-in-law. I'm, I'm blessed to have an awesome father-in-law. And the number of times my father-in-law says, man, it's all about the L-O-V-E. You know? It's like he always says, it's all about the L-O-V-E. So I want you to look at the person next to you and say, it's all about, tell him. The L-O-V-E. I thought about doing like a YMCA style L-O-V-E thing. But then I thought that would be kind of weird, and I'm definitely not the village people. I'm not the village people, even though I'm right. we'll, just, we'll just let that thing pass. But can we just be honest? The main thing in Christianity is love. And what's amazing is, is if that you ask people about Christians, do they ever say that the main thing is love? No. And that's a big problem, because it's not supposed to be that way. Right now, listen. We can't. We don't have control over everybody. You are responsible for you. Are you keeping it simple? Are you loving people? Because look at what he says here. He says, "Owe no one anything except to love one another." So have no other debts or obligations except to love people. Now, if you want not only financial wisdom, but you want wisdom with people, you just get this thing right. Have no obligations to people except to be people who love one another. For love is the fulfillment of the law. Jesus said it this way, John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another. As I have loved you, that you also love one another by this All will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. See, Jesus is saying, listen, the commandment that I want to give you as my disciples is that you love one another as I have loved you. Now I want you to go love one another. And that's an important reality. The idea of loving people, our culture, everyone loves everybody, except they don't love the way Jesus loves. So the problem isn't the concept of love. The problem is the definition of love. Jesus is saying, I want you to love people the way that I have loved you. See, here's the deal. 
The overriding issue with love in 21st century America is that love is not considered something that is self-giving. It's something that you get. So like people wait to receive love. But Jesus says, I want you to love with the love that I have. And what I want to tell you is that your ability to love other people is not if they first love you. Your ability to love other people is because Jesus loves you and you are receiving all the love that you need from Jesus. So now someone doesn't need to love you back for you to love them. And my friends, if we can get this, then we get the whole thing. The main thing, the most important thing is that the love that Jesus has for you is truly satisfying to the soul so that you can love somebody even when you don't agree with them. You can love somebody even if they don't treat you properly. You can love somebody and not take vengeance on them or get angry at them because you realize that Jesus loves us even though we're flawed too. So Jesus drives us into this experience. And I, you know, I call this upward, inward, and outward, right? It's like God's love reaches us and then it moves through us. The problem with the day and age in which we live is it's just a, a love on the horizontal level. It's, we're going to try and figure out how do we navigate loving one another when, when neither of us are satisfied. And so it becomes, can I get what I want from you? Will you give me what I need? But Jesus is talking about something different. He's saying, let my love satisfy you and then go and love everybody. Even if you don't agree with them, even if you disagree with their lifestyle, even if you disagree with their politics, even if you can't believe that they root for that sports team, right? Or what, or whatever the issues of the day are. It's simple. What is it? L-O-V-E. How are you doing where the rubber meets the road with that? At your school, at your job, with your neighbors? Are you keeping the main thing? The main thing. Jesus said, by this, all will know that you're my disciples by the love that you have one for another. How are you doing loving the family of faith here at Crossroads? The body of Christ as a whole. See, it's always amazing to me because we always have this tendency to think it's just what's right around me. But it's like, not only am I called to love the local expression of, uh, of the body of Christ, but the greater expression of the body of Christ. Now, can I just say this to my Crossroads family? I love you all so much. Like, I'm honestly honored that I get to be a part of this family, let alone get to teach the Bible. You guys are amazing. You know, I, I was talking, I was praying just this week. I said, Lord, I want the Crossroads family to know how loved they are by you. And the Lord said, Daniel, you have to keep telling them how much I love them. And you need to love them. You know, and I just love you all so much. I'm so grateful for the journey that we're on together. You know, because in the end of the day, if I am a pastor at all, my job is to, to be an a stand-in, in a sense, an under-shepherd for Jesus. Can't die on a cross for anyone's sins. That's his job. My job is to be able to explain it to you in a way that makes sense, to show it to you with my life at best. But listen, people will know we're his disciples not by how good our theology is. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm interested in good theology. I'm not panning, but sometimes in the name of good theology, people love really horrendously. They only love people who, I believe this thing. And if you don't believe this thing, you are wrong. And you, you know, there's those people who, who think that they're the only ones who Jesus is going to let into heaven. 
Like I was talking to someone recently, they were really up in arms because we don't teach out of the King James Bible. I'm like, listen, in heaven, Shakespeare's language is not the, the, the language of heaven. And they got super mad at me. So when anyone quotes the Bible in heaven, they're only going to say these and nows. We praise it to you, Lord. You know? But like, in the end of the day, like if you really love the King James Bible, praise God for that. And if you, if you dig reading an iambic pentameter, then awesome. But I saw someone's reading it. What's the problem? You know? You know, what happens is sometimes in the name of getting all the things right, we get the main thing wrong. My pastor, John Henry Corker, used to say it this way. He said, Daniel, sometimes we're so right, we're wrong. And I was just like, ooh, that's a nasty one, isn't it? Listen, you get it right when you love. Because love is the fulfillment of the law. And really, it's Jesus' love that's the fulfillment of the law that we respond to. Now, notice what it says next, because look what it says, verse 9. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, and you shall not covet. Now, obviously, this is the second table of the law of the Ten Commandments, which you find in Exodus chapter 20, verses 13 to 17, and then also repeated in Deuteronomy chapter 5, verses 17 to 21. You know, the, the Ten Commandments, the ten that were given by God to Moses on Mount Sinai on two tablets. Now, what's interesting is that really they, they call it the second tablet of the law because the first set of laws is all about a, a person's relationship with God, and then the second tablet's about a person's relationship with other people, Right? And really what he's saying is that in each one of these laws, right, you don't commit adultery, you don't murder, you don't steal, you don't bear false witness, you don't covet. And then he says, are all summed up in this same saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, which of course is a quotation from Leviticus 19.18. When they asked Jesus what the greatest commandment was, he said, Deuteronomy 6.5, you should love the Lord your God with all your heart soul, strength, and mind. The second is like it. You should love your neighbor as yourself. So really what Paul, he's agreeing with Jesus and he's saying the most important thing is that you love your neighbor as yourself. Now, of course, when you love your neighbor as yourself, in verse 10, it tells us that love does no harm to a neighbor. So at the very least, love is not doing bad. It's stated in the negative. But if you look at all of those commandments, uh, when you commit adultery, you're not loving your neighbor, right? You're, you're violating someone's marriage vows. You know, when you murder, obviously you're doing them harm. When you steal, you know, when you steal from them, that's doing them harm. You know, what's amazing is, is that when you bear false witness, when you lie, that's doing someone harm. And then what's amazing is it even says, do not covet which we don't think is doing someone harm because it's an internal thing, but Jesus realizes that what starts on the inside makes its way onto the outside. Like no one ever committed adultery without first coveting someone else's spouse. Nobody ever stole without first in their heart coveting what someone else has, right? And so all of this is summed up in this simple idea that the main thing is that you love your neighbor as yourself. Now, as I always like to say, Who's your neighbor? Everyone's your neighbor. Won't you be my neighbor? (laughs) Some of you don't know that reference, but you will because there's a movie coming out soon. So you'll know the reference for you youngins. You young, that's, that's, what was that guy's name? Mr. Rogers. The man, the myth, the legend, you know, but, but listen, it's simple, but is it that simple? So if your neighbor is everybody, 
How are you loving somebody on the other side of the world who has a different religion from you? How are you doing loving somebody who you, you don't agree with their sexual preferences? How are you doing loving somebody who votes differently? How are you doing loving the person who just stepped on your head to get a promotion that was, you thought was rightfully yours? Can I, I could do this all day and make all of us super uncomfortable, can't I? How are you loving that person that you wake up next to every day who you gave a ring to and you promised you'd love them no matter what? And no matter what is feeling like a lot right now. Love your neighbor as yourself. See, really what he's saying is you need to love them the way that I have shown you who you are. You know, that's why I wrote that book, Upward, Inward, and Outward, about what does this mean? How do we cultivate this type of living? Because it's the most important thing. Love. Now, from there we see why love is so important. Now, look at what it says now. I'm picking up in verse 11 of Romans chapter 13. It says... And do this knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Therefore let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Now really, and this is an important reality for us. You and I have to remember that it's almost time. It's almost time. They may say, what do you mean it's almost time? Listen to what Paul says. And do this, right? Love your neighbor as yourself, knowing the time that now it is high time to wake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. So the apostle Paul is saying, you have to know what time it is. Because you have to realize it's time for us to wake up. So Paul's using a metaphor of sleeping and waking. Nighttime and daytime, right? And he says, for our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. What Paul is talking about, he's talking about the return of Jesus. Jesus' return to the earth. Now, for some of you right now, you're like, what? Or some of you are thinking, see, this is why Christianity doesn't make any sense. Who in their right mind could believe that Jesus, who died 2,000 years ago, is going to come back today? I mean, you guys are nuts believing fairy tales. Now, if you're in either of those categories, let me talk to you about this. Believing in the return of Jesus is not illogical if the resurrection is true. It's much harder for Jesus to rise from the dead than it is for a live man who ascended into heaven to come back. So like when I, I have people, I had just someone just recently, I love my friends, the guys I grew up with, and, and we're close still, and we don't agree on some, a lot of things. Like, man, I just, I mean, you are a smart, rational, you're college educated. You're telling me you believe Jesus is coming back? I'm like, bro, if he rose from the dead, all bets are off. Like coming back is on the menu because he's alive. You realize that, right? Like that's not like shocking. Today, Pastor Daniel shared that God's call for you to love others and do no harm to them can be summed up in the command to love your neighbor as yourself. This is a tall order. It's simple, but it's definitely not easy. You learn that your neighbor is everyone, not just those closest to you. Pastor Daniel helped you see that this means you should love people who believe or choose differently than you, or even those who treat you wrong. To do this, you're going to need God's perspective and His help. 
Pastor Daniel's message today is just one of many he shared from a variety of books in the Bible. Would you like to explore more? Just visit JesusIsRealRadio.com to access our library of audio. You can also connect with Pastor Daniel on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram through the links you'll find at the bottom of the page. That website again is JesusIsRealRadio.com. Make sure to tune in again as Pastor Daniel will share that having a biblical view of life includes the realization that your time here is limited. Every day you're alive is one day closer to the end of your time on earth. Pastor Daniel urges you to let this reality shape your perspective and instill in you an urgency to love others by sharing God's love with them. There's more to come from Pastor Daniel's series called Amplify. Please glance at the clock right now. Make plans to join us again for another edition of Jesus is Real Radio.